Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. All right, that takes us to our, our message. And uh, if you'd like, you can get out your Crosswalk notes, and we will uh, be following there. But before we get started with the message, one of the things that you probably know by now is that uh, at Crosswalk, we share with you the good news of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins through him. But Jeff and I also like to keep you updated on NFL, NBA, occasionally the NHL, and Major League Baseball as well, uh, just to, to make sure you're up to date on what's happening in Phoenix. And so uh, it's incumbent upon me to let you know that the NBA draft uh, was this week, and the Phoenix Suns drafted, great, another guard, seriously, uh, Devin, Devin Booker, who uh, was a freshman at Kentucky, so he's 19 years old, which makes him younger than all three of my sons, which is crazy uh, when I think about that. But, but he is, he's uh, the, their first-round draft pick. And also what they did is they traded their second-round draft pick to get an individual from the Grizzlies named John Luer, who is a Wisconsin Badger, all right? Just saying, 6'10", shooting, shooting center type person. Anyways, the, the, the draft, the NBA draft, and, and the reason why the NBA draft is such a big deal for, for all of these teams to find out why really all that you need to do is go back two weeks. And where I need you to go back two weeks, I know some of you don't care about this, but some of you do, but, but bear with me for a little bit. Go back to the NBA Finals. Remember, it was the Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, against LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, and so that, that when you go back there, you might remember that the Cleveland Cavaliers lost two all-stars from their team, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving. And, and so what was happening, I, I'm not a big NBA guy, and I usually don't watch the NBA Finals, but this one I did watch. And the reason why is because it was LeBron single-handedly playing against this other team, really. I, that, that the question was, can the person who is the best team on the, pl- or the best player on the planet, that's his words, not mine. So he says, I'm the best player on the planet. Can he, without really any support, not much support at all from his team, win an NBA championship? And we found out what the answer was. The, the answer is no. And what's interesting about it, though, is if you were to talk to him, some crazy things happened. One of them was in one game in the first half. He either scored every point or assisted on every point but one that his team scored. That's single-handedly, which means he either made the basket or made the direct pass that allowed that basket to happen, doing it all by himself. And for goodness sakes, they, they won games two and three because of him. He single-handedly did that. But it's a seven-game series. And, and now that it's over and, and he's talking a little bit, he's talking about how grueling it was for him, first of all, physically, 
to play those number of minutes where you're getting bounced around by all these other big guys that are out on the court, and also how much it wore on him mentally and emotionally, knowing that if he had a bad game, they were going to lose, knowing that everything depended on him, and, and it, he just felt the weight of the city of Cleveland and of the team on his shoulders, and after a period of time, it, it just wore on him. On the other side, in stark contrast, you had the Golden State Warriors, who are led by Steph Curry. But on their team, and it truly is a team, a different person could step up any night. And as a matter of fact, the MVP of of the finals, Andre Iguodala, didn't even start during the regular season. That's crazy when, when you think about that, how deep they were and how much of a team they were. The reason why I bring this up today is because as we go through life and as you go through life, if you were to look at your life, you in particular, do you feel more like a LeBron James, feeling the weight of everything that happens in your life, that you are the one who has to control it, you are the one who carries it? Or do you feel more like a Steph Curry where you're like, you know what, there are so many people here helping me out that that I don't feel that pressure at all, but I know that I'm supported and and I I know everything is going to be okay. As you look at the, the top of your notes, it says King David, zero to hero, and it says loyalty. Just so you know what we're talking about when it says loyalty, you can write in there that that somebody has your back. Somebody has your back or, or you don't have to carry the weight alone. However you want to say it, however it resonates for you, you can use your own words. But that's what this message is about when we talk about loyalty, having someone else there for you, someone to help carry you through in, in those difficult times. And we're going to see this specifically in the life of David. And the reason why this is, is so important for David is especially where we are at in our lesson for today, David is the LeBron James of Israel. He had beaten the, the giant, and you know how he did it? He did it alone. The rest, of, the rest of the army was looking on. Granted, he did it with the strength that the Lord provided, but from all human you know, appearances, he did it alone. David was now dealing with success. Remember that Saul had killed his thousands and and David his tens of thousands. David was having to deal with success alone. But David realized something very early on, and that is that he couldn't do it alone and that God provided a special gift. And, And that gift was someone who had his back someone that he could trust, someone that he could turn to when when he was weak. And that person's name, that individual's name, is Jonathan. Now, where we are going to be looking today is 1 Samuel chapter 20. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter to you, but we're going to be looking at sections of it. I want to share what the story is. 1 Samuel 20. You can read it now. You can go read it at home. But this is basically what happened. And that is David is having all of the success and he realizes Saul, the king, is trying to kill him and wants him dead. That that he sees Saul and, and he understands Saul can't handle David's success. And so where he goes is to his friend Jonathan 
Jonathan is Saul's son, and, and probably what all the people thought was that Jonathan would be the next king. And, and it, we can understand why they would think that, because we know David's a strong warrior, a, a man after God's own heart, how we've described, described him. Jonathan's the same way. Jonathan and David are like kindred spirits. They are like twin brothers. They are so mirror images of each other. In one chapter in 1 Samuel, we're told an account where the Philistines and, and Israel were in different camps, and neither one wanted to attack the other because they, they liked their defensive position. We know that's the way that the story of David and Goliath starts, right? And Goliath would come down. Well, it happened again. But this time what happened is there wasn't a giant, there wasn't any taunting. But what happened is is as they were in their positions, there was a soldier who went down from Israel. And and he went down there and, and he was by himself and he just started walking across the battlefield. And we're told that 20 guys came at him in an area of less than an acre and he killed all 20 of them. And what happened is everyone was watching what was going on as he was going up against one after the other and and defeating them. And then after he got to the 20th, all of the guys in Israel were like, this is crazy, let's go go help him. And they all went running down and, and it was a rout. Who was that person who went out on the battlefield? It wasn't David, it was Jonathan. Jonathan, on that day, said, Lord, please give me strength against this enemy. Lord, I trust you. Give me the opportunity. And as I see the opportunity, Lord, be with me and and let me take opportunity with it. If not, I'll fall back. But Lord, if you're with me, I know I can go forward. That sounds like a person I'd love to follow. Someone who would make a very good king in Israel. But it wasn't God's plan and Jonathan knew it. Jonathan knew that David would be the next king. And yet, Jonathan remained loyal to David and his friendship, wanting what was best for the kingdom, and even more than that, wanting what God wanted, praying, Lord, your will be done in my life. Lord, if it's your will that that David is the next king and I'm not, your will be done. So that's the context. And now these two, as they're doing this back and forth, having these bravery and courage competitions almost, they, they love one another. And what happens on this day in 1 Samuel 20 is when David goes to Jonathan and says, Jonathan, I can't be in the palace anymore. Saul is trying to kill me and I can't handle this and and I need help. Jonathan didn't think Saul was trying to kill him. Jonathan said to David, I think if my dad was trying to kill me since I'm a general and a trusted advisor, he would tell me. But you know what? Let's... Let's see, maybe I'm wrong. So what they decided was that David, who would sit at the, every day at the table of the king, he was on the cabinet, they would eat dinner together, that he decided for a couple days what he was going to do is not go to the palace, and his seat would be empty. And Jonathan said, here's what's going to happen. When my dad notices you're gone, what I'm going to say is David needed to go home to Bethlehem to offer some sacrifices. He'll be back in a couple days. And by his reaction, I'll be able to tell if he really does want to kill you or whether this is all in your head. 
So they did this plan. David was gone, and, 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 and Jonathan was there, and Saul, after two days, uh, after Jonathan told him, yeah, I gave him permission to go to Bethlehem, Saul blew a fuse. I mean, he just went like out of control, took a spear, actually, a spear that was meant for David, and he threw it at his own son, at Jonathan, because he thought Jonathan was being disloyal to him. And, and he's saying, you're a traitor too, you're going towards David's side. And it's then Jonathan and David had arranged a, a plan that, that once he found out for sure Jonathan would shoot three arrows. And if he shot them close, David would know that it was okay to come. But if he shot them far away, that David would be watching. And and as those arrows went off in the distance, he would know that meant he had to go away as well. So that's what happened. And Jonathan and David's friendship and this loyalty that they had continued. But after this day, they did so apart from one another. That, that David realized that, that he, and Jonathan realized too, that he just couldn't be in that situation with Saul. So that's, what the, that's the, the, the story. The story we're going to look at as we look at loyalty. And we begin by looking at 1 Samuel 20, verses 1 through 4. Then David fled from Naoth to Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Never, Jonathan replied. You are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything, great or small, without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. So now we we have this situation where we have Jonathan and and David who are very close and they have a, a, a little bit of a disagreement about what's going on, about what reality is. Is Saul trying to kill me? which David thought was true, or is he not trying to kill me, which, which Jonathan thought. He's like, yeah, he would have told me, David. And so as we look at this loyalty and friendship and, and how loyalty and friendship is built, in the blank you can write, a loyal friend is willing to listen. A loyal friend is willing to listen. And now I need everyone here to do me a favor. I need you to repeat after me. I am a bad listener. Okay. And I don't care how, think, how good you think you are of a listener. You're not. Okay? You're definitely not as good as you think you are at listening. And... and out in, in this area, there are a certain number of groups of people who are bad listeners, and then there are the worst listeners. The worst listeners out there today, I don't know if we have any of them in the crowd. Are there any pastors out there? Raise your hand if there's a pastor. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, we have one right there. Pastors are the worst listeners. And you know why we're the worst listeners? We have all the answers. 
for goodness sakes, we know the Bible, we're, we're into God's word, and so be, before you, you come there, it, it's, it's pastors and probably doctors, right, are pretty close there. Yeah, we have the answers. Even before you come through the door, we, we have the answers. And because we know what the problem is, and we know what the solution is, I'll tell you what your problem is. The problem is your sin, and I'll tell you what the answer is. The answer is Jesus. Thanks for coming. Have a great day. That's it. That is why that, that there are times when, when you can zone out because I already know the answer. The second group of people who are also not good listeners, lawyers, okay? Lawyers are bad listeners, and here's why. They listen to argue. And, and so what they do, and I say this with coming my wife's whole family of lawyers, And maybe with you, it's not that you're a lawyer, but there's the inner lawyer who's looking for an argument. And after you hear one part of that conversation that you want to attack, you stop listening. And then you attack. You attack that point and you hammer. You you hear in such a way to respond rather than to listen. The next group who are not good listeners, if you happen to be a spouse you are not a good listener. And the reason why I can say that is, I've been a pastor for 23 years, and I have never had anyone come into my office and say, when I ask, what's the problem? My spouse is listening too much to me. Uh, that, yeah, he, just, he, he or she just wants to hear what I have to say and process it. And the problem is they know exactly where I'm at because they listen to me and they spend time and just soak in what I say. So right now, if you're a pastor married to a lawyer, you're the worst listener in the world. Just so we're clear, you're, you have problems. And then I would say probably the the next group would be those who are parents. Parents are bad listeners because after a while, you have to just turn it off. That it's like, enough, enough. I've heard this all before. I don't need to hear it again. And so if you've ever been in a conversation with someone where you've lost interest and zoned out and, and not heard what they had to say, like maybe even during this message, that you, you zone out and you don't listen. But listening, I am telling you, listening for a friendship is so important. But the problem is most people want to talk. Most people come in and, and I have something you need to hear. I have something I want to say to you. I have a point that I need to make. I just think, again, that listening is so important. Grandma, Grandma's smart in this one. God gave you two ears and one mouth, and uh, maybe use the ears more. As we think about listening, I, I, listening is associated with friendship because listening is associated with love and patience. I want you to think of how absurd it is, just for a moment, that Jesus listens to anyone. Think about in his ministry what Jesus listened to. Jesus listened, first of all, to cries for help. Jesus, help me. 
whether it be the faint voice of 10 lepers who were, who were joining their voices together because the, the sickness they had in the leprosy had taken their voices. Jesus listened to their cries for help, whether it was a blind man or a lame man or, or someone with a sick daughter or a dead son or a dead brother. Jesus listened. Jesus listened when the people who talked to him were, were completely dead wrong. Jesus still listened. A man came to him, Lord, how can I make myself righteous? How can I be righteous before God? And then listen to this self-righteous person talk about how he had kept all the commandments and had done everything from he was a child. And listen to this individual talk about not being sinful. And you know what Jesus did? He listened. He listened. Even though he knew it wasn't true, he let him get it out. And he kept the conversation going. And Jesus listens to you as well. Jesus listens even though he knows everything that is going on in your life and he knows where you're hurting and he knows what you need. He listens. And he doesn't listen for his sake so that he'll know. He listens for your sake so that you will know that he cares. You want to you start loyalty in a friendship? Shut your mouth. Open your ears. And I will tell you that, that, that people will search you out for that gift. We continue. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And, John, and Jonathan and David reaffirmed his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. So what happened is, is now what they did is after they came up with this uh, arrangement, what they're going to do, they made a promise to one another. And they made a promise to be there for one another. And so in the blank you can write, a loyal friend is willing to make and keep a promise. To make and keep a promise. Unfortunately, this works both ways. If you are a person who tells someone you're going to do something and you don't do it, uh, that's not loyalty, and that is a, a withdrawal from a friendship account, and, and it shows that you're someone who cannot be trusted. But the other side of this is also true, and that is that when you make promises and then keep them, it means so much to the other person. I don't know how much we do that these days. Uh, maybe the, the, the one that I've seen in the last couple weeks that to me really showed how friendship can be fostered through a promise was uh, there was an individual from the men's group who was moving into a new house. And uh, something got messed up with the moving, and the bottom line is everything was moved into his garage, and he couldn't move it into the house for a few days, and he needed help getting everything in. And he just asked, is there anyone who can help? And, and from the men's group, a number of guys said, sure, you know, sure, we can help. Well, I don't know what you're like, but sometimes... When people say that, what they really mean is, if I'm really bored and don't have anything else to do, uh, and I remember, I might come. 
But with this, it, it was so cool. I, I think there were 14 guys that showed up uh, between 6.30 and 7 o'clock. The whole thing took maybe 45 minutes, hooked up the washer and dryer. I mean, put the beds together. We got the whole thing done. It was like knocked it out in that short period of time. And there was something about that where, where someone in need asked someone else, can you make me a promise? And, and, and then make the promise and then follow through on the promise that brings a relationship together. Look for opportunities uh, for those. Sometimes it's going to be that you need people to, to make that promise to you. And other times you're going to have this opportunity to make the promise to them, to be there for them, to help them in a di very difficult situation when they can't do something alone. We continue. So now they have this plan in place, and, and now it's Jonathan just told Saul, David's not here, and uh, he, he's making the sacrifice, and he's gauging Saul's response to see if David's right, whether Saul really wants to kill him, or whether Jonathan's right. And it says, Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan. He said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse? to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. I would say at this time, Jonathan knew pretty clearly what Saul's heart was and, and that David was correct. In the blank, you can write, my loyalty to a person, my loyalty to a person has to start with loyalty to God. Someone loyal to me will always direct me back to the promises of God. Loyalty starts with loyalty to God. This is, this is a very interesting point and a very important one. Was Jonathan loyal to Saul? And the answer is yes. And was Jonathan loyal to David as well? And the answer to that is yes as well. And the way that Jonathan showed his loyalty to Saul was by knowing the promises of God, knowing the, the words of God about who would be the next king, and notice, that's what Saul's talking about. He's saying, don't you understand, Jonathan, I'm trying to do you a favor by killing him. And Jonathan is telling Saul, you're not doing me a favor by trying to go against God and God's will. Because as you go against God's will, as you go against God's promises, Saul, look at yourself. Look where you end up. You're miserable. You are so worried about losing everything. You're paranoid. You can't even enjoy the gift that God has given you in the throne right now. As opposed to, you know, Dad, look at me. I've accepted it, Dad. And, and you know what I want? I want God's will, and I want what is best for the kingdom. And if you, as the king who's supposed to be the leader of the people, wanted the same, this would be a non-issue. We would be like the happiest kingdom on earth. And so Jonathan showed his loyalty to Saul by telling him what he needed to hear, even though he didn't want to hear it. 
And Jonathan showed his loyalty to David by as he looked at those promises and what God said would come, that he accepted it and he encouraged David through it. That's such a big point for us. As we look at loyalty, loyalty to people does not mean that we accept everything that they do. Loyalty to people does not mean, you know, we accept, you know, the things that you're doing and it's all okay with us. But it's having those difficult conversations, taking them back to God's word, sometimes using God's law to point out sin and the sin inside of us. And other times it's that time of forgiveness and encouragement, letting them know that they are loved and forgiven by Christ. And as a loyal friend, you need to do both. You need to share all of God's word, the entire counsel of God's word. We turn to the next page. This continued and it escalated. And it said, why should he be put to death? This is Jonathan talking to his dad. Why should David be put to death, dad? This is stupid. What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Oh, you know it now? Once the spears start coming at you, once he says David's gonna die, huh, maybe. But when the spears start coming at me, now I, now I get it. In the blank, you can write, a loyal friend will defend you even when it puts them in a difficult or even harmful situation. A loyal friend will defend you even when it puts them in a difficult and even harmful situation. And at this time, I hope that you are thinking what I'm thinking right now. And that is, we can talk illustrations, but for goodness sakes, what a friend we have in Jesus, right? When we think of someone who put himself in a difficult and harmful situation, if you want to think about someone having the spear that has come from the Father that was intended for us, and someone who stood in the way, isn't that what Jesus did on the cross? As the Father's anger flares at sin, the only difference is, is the Father is just and right in his, in his punishment of us. We, we are deserving of it. But Jesus came into this world and put himself directly between God and us. Think about, we've seen that, haven't we, before, where the, uh, it's a basketball game or football game and the shoving match comes and, you know, the guy's got to get in the middle as he's getting pushed around. And, and, and it's just, hey, just... We want to keep you guys separated, right? But that's not what Jesus wanted. Jesus didn't jump in between us to separate us. He jumped in there to bring us together. And that is exactly what he did, paying the, the price for our sin. That is why it's right to call Jesus our Savior and our friend at the same time. We continue. This was after he shot the arrows, he sent a, a boy to run get these arrows. After the boy had gone, David got up from the, south, uh, from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times. With his face to the ground, they kissed each other and wept together. I love this part, but David wept the most. Uh, it was killing him. All of this was just hurting him so much. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me, between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to the town. And they were apart. 
great friends, best friends. Friends that would have loved to have spent time together, lived together, fought together, grown old together, and died together were now separated because of the sin, sin of their father. In the blank, you can write, a loyal friend hurts when I hurt. Can call this empathy. And, and notice, that these are situations, and this is probably where, where sometimes for me as a, a weakness I have in a friend, that if this was, this was written about me, it would have been said, and then Dan tried to fix it. <laughs> and he can't, because it, it can't be fixed. So instead, they did all they could do, and that was cry about it and be there for each other and uh, trust God's will to be done. And you, I have to believe that you have situations in your life that are like that. It's not a quick fix. It's not an easy fix. Maybe there is no fix. And so what you need isn't someone to make it better. You need someone just to be there next to you and to tell you, you know what? I care about you. I love you. God loves you. And I'm going to be here with you to the bitter end. Finally, Proverbs 18, verse 24. The truth that I guess you can leave with. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That's the loyalty we're talking about. A, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And so in the blank you can write, first of all, and this is in order, I need Jesus to be my friend. I need that desperately. If I try going alone without Jesus, I am going to fail. Secondly, and this is in order, I need to be a friend to others. I need to look for, for those who need what I have to offer in Christian friendship. And then finally, I need others to be a friend to me. 2 thoughts before we close that, that I think are very important because this is where we take the next step. And, and this is where you, that as you go from here that, that you, you continue on. One of the things that allowed David and Jonathan to have such a close friendship is the fact that they served together in an army. They had common goals. They, they had a common enemy. They were pulling in the same direction. And as you, you, you look for this, and if you're like me, who, someone who longs for what they had and enjoys it, I, I, I will tell you, it's not only that I long for it, but I enjoy it because this is something I do enjoy in Christian friendship. I, I, it, it's such a great gift from God. And if you don't have this, I, I want this desperately for you because this, this is what makes a church so sticky and, and a church stay together and, and knowing that people have your back, who doesn't want to be there? Who doesn't want to be there with people who keep promises and, and are there for you when you're down? But I want you to think in, in terms of one way that we try to foster this is, is we have two standing armies at Crosswalk. Two standing armies that you can serve on that will put you in environments where, where these friendships are fostered. And one of them are ministry teams, 
and the other one is growth groups. And I'm telling you that, that as I've seen this, the, the, I've already shared with you about some of the men's growth groups especially we have, I cannot believe how close these individuals are becoming. And it's just, it's amazing to me how uh, they are a, a band of brothers. And then in ministry teams as well as a place to start to have a common goal and to work together and to see how that brings people together. A next step for you, if you are looking uh, to, for that type of closeness is, is to be around people in those settings. The second thing that, that, that is going to help you and, and I would encourage you to review over the next week is when it says, first of all, I need Jesus to be my friend. What I need you to do is just go back through the fill-ins and you can do this one each day to remind yourself of how great a friend you have in your Savior. Jesus is a loyal friend who listens to me. Jesus is a loyal friend who makes and keeps promises to me. Jesus is a, a, a friend who stays loyal to me and shares the promises of God. Jesus is a loyal friend who defends me in difficult and even harmful situations. Jesus is a friend who, who hurts with me when I hurt. And Jesus is a friend who's with me to the end. He, he's loyal. I am telling you, you cannot be a good, loyal Christian friend without Jesus first being that type of friend to you, to, to be loved in that way and to be reminded on, on a regular basis. Then I encourage you to, you can't be this friend to everyone. For, for David, it was Jonathan. It was, Jonathan was a gift from God. David had a, a number of friends and a number of people who were close to him, but, but this is really a, a once-in-a-lifetime closeness that, that he enjoyed. And as you, as you consider that, to consider how you can be that, I'm guessing at this point, you, maybe you know who that is. Maybe right now if I ask you, uh, who is your Jonathan and who are you a Jonathan to, you immediately know it and you thank God for it. And, and if that's the case, my encouragement is to follow these things and thank God uh, as you are able to live them, getting them from Christ and sharing them in your life. But if you don't, if you don't have someone like that where, where you feel close, my encouragement is to, to search it out in those different environments, to be around other Christians, working, pulling in the same direction, to, to have your ears open, even your heart open, as you look for opportunities to be this type of friend, knowing how much you are loved by Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that we are able to look at this friendship between Jonathan and David and realize what a, what a blessing it was. But even more so, Lord, we know that every person here has just a, a unique relationship that's so solid based on what Christ has done for us. In the truest sense of the word, Jesus is our friend. As, as the song goes, what a friend we have in Jesus. And, and there's so many reasons why. Now as we go from here today, Lord, help us embrace these friendships. Uh, help us as we look at all the things you have been to us to reflect that love and, and, and be that for others in our lives. And, and Lord, also at times when we are hurting, when we need that support, supply someone to us as well. Uh, let there be people there who have our back, who encourage us with your promises. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.
So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. It occurred to us as we were going through the text study on, on David and Jonathan that what they wanted, uh, the oath that Jonathan and David made to one another was to be friends forever, for an eternity. And it struck us that what they wanted, God gave them. Because through, through their faith in, in Christ, through, in the coming Christ, through their faith in God, that this friendship was not only for this world, but it is for an eternity. It's forever in heaven. And as you, you consider those, that gift of friendship, first of all, remember, it's a friendship. This unwavering, unwavering friendship and loyalty is what Christ has shown you. Leave here today knowing you have that, and that is a great gift for you to share. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. We'll see you on the patio.